Hello everyone, what's going on? Stefanos here and welcome back to the Do You Follow Football Podcast, the weekly football podcast where I chat to you guys about all the goings on and give you my thoughts on the weekend's action. And my God, did we get a weekend full of action. Loads of goals to start off December. And by the way, happy December. This is the first episode um, in December. Happy Christmas. The Christmas tree's up. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, happy holidays and just enjoy the time with your loved ones. And like I said, it was a crazy, crazy weekend of football, you know. Goals, red cards, own goals. I don't know where to start, but I'm going to start near the top of the table with Spurs and Man City. So let's just get straight into it. I think for me, the first goal that tells you a lot about Spurs, almost everything you need to know about Spurs. They soak up pressure really, really well. Um, they're composed at the back and they're absolutely deadly and they can really obliterate you uh, on the counter-attack. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal counter-attack. Great work from Human Son. He carried the ball so far and the composure to to put it past Edison. It, it really set the, the pace for the game, I thought. But the response from City keeping up with the pace, it was really positive, you know, regardless of the scoreline. They could be 2-0 up, they could be 1-0 down, or even 3-0 down. And you know what you're going to get with them. They're going to carry on with that high press, that high-intensity, possession-based uh, football. And they're going to prompt you, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they're going to prompt you, they're going to probe you. And nine times out of ten, it will, you know, result in the goal. And that's exactly what they got. It was a great bit of play. Um, from City to you know get the equaliser, and I and I think I, I thought I thought both teams played well. I thought Spurs played actually better than than I thought than I thought they would. City were a little bit, I don't say off the pace. I think you know Harlem missed a few sitters. I thought Foden had a good game. Alvarez had a good game. Duku was a bit not ineffective, but there was no for for me anyway. There was no there was no end product. You know he hit the post very unlucky. Um. But look, football is more about just goals, obviously. So, um, he's still a great player. But speaking of the goals, I generally thought all goals last night. <clears throat> oh, excuse me, sorry about the voice, guys. I do apologise. The the festivities and the, it's that time of year when you get ill. What can I say? What can I say? I've already been ill once uh, during the winter, and it looks like I'm going to lose two 0 on aggregate now to the common cold. But um, but no, all the goals last night at the Etihad were genuinely sensational. Apart from obviously the the own goal, which uh, was unfortunate for Hyunmin Son. But like I said, it was a good game, a three three, great goals. But yet again. We're talking about the bloody officiating, and I'm just so sick of it. It's not even VAR. It's just the on-field decisions. I just don't get it. Um, I don't understand what he was thinking. I really don't. How on earth can you pull the play back when someone's literally through on goal, one-on-one? -on -one? Like, I feel like he had a good view of it. I feel like he would have known that he was onside. But even if the ref's not sure, he's still in constant communication with the linesman. The lino on that side can say, no, he's on, play on. Or even if there's no... Uh, they have no communication there, then he can just play on. How many times have we seen an attack carry on after someone's blatantly offside and after about 30 seconds of play, it's then pulled back? Well, I, 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 I don't understand it. There's there's no reason for him to pull that play back. and It's just, it's just crazy. I'm not saying that the City would have won the game, but Grealish was through one-on-one. -on -one. And, you know, one-on-ones, technically it's a 50-50 chance that someone's going to score. But, you'd expect Grealish in that position to put City 4-3 up and you th sit there and you think, how damaging can that be um, You know, f f for the title race, really? Uh, but look, it was it was a great point for Spurs after you know, they struggled in, we in recent weeks. Recent? Recent. They've struggled in recent weeks, Spurs. And I thought players like Kulisevsky and Lasell, so they really stepped up alongside Sun. Um, and it, it's, 
it's hard for Son because with Madison out, there's not really as much creativity and he's kind of got to not do it all by himself because there's still 10 other players on that pitch with him. But in terms of the goals and stuff, he does need help. And, you know, I feel like the players really stepped up um, last night for, for Spurs. But City, I think... Again, I've said Harlan missed a few sitters, and especially the one in the first half, literally out of the six-yard box. It's on his stronger foot. It's coming towards him. He's got time to open his body up, but he's just kind of shanked it wide. I don't know what happened. He, he didn't have the best of games, um, to be fair. You know, half, uh, half time, sorry, full time. He was absolutely fuming at the ref, and rightly so. But you've got to do the talking on the pitch, and he, that, he does that so often. So maybe you can give him a free pass for this week, but he's got to be better next week, in my opinion. But... Like I said, uh, City going forward, I think you know they were they were decent midfield. They were decent as well, but for me, I think it's the defence and it was really poor. And it's, it's not for the first time. It's becoming a, I wouldn't say a habit, but you know if you look at the last the last few games, you know they conceded three this week against you know no disrespect to Spurs, but they're way out of form. They've lost is it two or three on the bounce? They've lost. I think it's three. Yes, yeah, three. They lost to Villa. They lost to Wolves and they lost to Chelsea big players out and you know yes still played well but you have to look at the facts on paper many key players are injured and they're in dreadful dreadful form and then they also didn't look very good against Leipzig in midweek they conceded two goals and you know they conceded four against Chelsea and we all know about Chelsea this season you know they couldn't score in the red light district it's it's embarrassing but look from from time to time there's going to be dips but if, if you look at City this season you know I spoke a few weeks ago about how they're kind of a bit slow to get going but it's kind of been the opposite so far you know they had a really good sort of fight first month or so nearly two months and then they've just started dropping points and they've now not won in is it three is it three weeks in, the, in a row now and I can't remember the last time the last time we've we've said about that for City and you know for a very very long time Sorry, for the first time in a long, long time, they do look a, a, a little bit beatable. And you know, they've got Villa next week, and well, next week, sorry, next, next game week, it's actually it's actually tomorrow, the, the game week 15 starts. They've got Villa midweek, and I, I don't really think it's going to be an easy game for them. I, I, I could see them dropping points. I mean, for Spurs as well, they've got a derby, uh, they've got West Ham next, and then Newcastle. So, again, that's going to be tough for them with, with the players that they've um, that they've got out, but. I think the point definitely suits Spurs and probably Arsenal and Liverpool as well much more um, than it does for Man City. But from Man City to Man United, we're going to stay in Manchester. United lost 1-0 to Newcastle this weekend. And I actually think United can maybe count themselves a little, a little bit lucky. Uh, it was that it was only 1-0. It was such a one-sided game. Uh, Newcastle got two, three, or even four. I thought Newcastle's pressing was great. They were sharp. They were so, so, so switched on. The the defending for the goal as well, it was absolutely criminal. You know, not only to let Trippier, you know, we know how how great he is from wide areas crossing it in. We know his his kind of standard of ball is it's phenomenal. To let him fizz a ball across the, the box like that and you know, you just you can't be given players of his capabilities that kind of time and space to pick out his man. And then you look at as the ball's coming across, Almiron's there for a tapping, and Gordon's there for a tapping. They were both queuing up, and I just don't know where the marking was. It was, it was, too, it was awful. It, it was disgusting. I'd be fuming if, if my team conceded a goal, a goal like that. And 
I've said a lot this season, and I'm not the only one to say it. This is not news. We all know this about Man United's moments. Um, and I think you know this week, and you know in the Champions League as well, midweek, it's kind of running out those moments, that luck. You know, they they bottled the Galatasaray match midweek. They were in control, and the game just got away from them. And this weekend, you know, they didn't bottle anything, but they were just really, really poor. There was no fight. There was no work ethic, the, the mentality is all wrong, it really is, and Eric Ten Hag, he's got so, so much pressure on him, but some of it, I think, that in my opinion, I think the Man United job is really hard to, to take over, we've seen managers like Mourinho, Van Gaal, you know, ultimately fail, Um, so it is a really, really hard job, but some of the pressure that he's got, some of it, he's put it on himself, his decision making, you know, it's, it's been poor. You've got Varane. He's been frozen out um, of the team purely because of just a, a personal issue, some form of falling out. I don't know the exact details, but put it this way. He's not on the bench. and uh, Sorry, he's not sitting on the bench for footballing reasons. It's They've had some form of falling out or whatever. Yet Rashford and Anthony, they'll literally start week in, week out for 70, 80, 90 minutes. And, and they've been poor. They've been poor this season. So you'll leave players like that on the pitch, yet you've got a world-class centre-back who's won multiple Champions Leagues on the bench. It, it doesn't make sense, but I don't want to take anything away from Newcastle. You know, they bossed the midfield. They were really, really strong in midfield in that area. Um, and like I said earlier, if they were a bit more clinical, they probably could have had, you know, at least two or three goals. Um, it's a really big result for them after the big result against against Chelsea last weekend as well. And you've got to think as well, you know, Spurs fans, you know, you're going to tell me you've got injuries. Completely get it. Absolutely fine. Chelsea fans, you know, we spoke a lot about the injuries. Man United as well. They've had a lot of injuries. But Newcastle are doing all of this without in injuries. Sorry, with injuries. And I'm not, they still got a good squad. I'm not saying their start at 11 against Chelsea and, and United was poor because it wasn't. They still had a very good start at 11. But they don't have their their first picks sort of thing, if, if that makes sense. And they're still putting off really, really good results. And... I think it's great for them, especially to get that momentum back after the disappointing result um, in the Champions League against PSG uh, midweek. From Manchester to London, moving on to the team that is currently top of the Premier League with Arsenal. They beat Wolves 2-1 on the weekend. And despite a close scoreline, Arsenal, they really dominated the game. I think it's probably the best, uh, the best football we've seen them play this season, in my opinion. I've spoken a lot recently about their sort of their capabilities. I really think they've been playing uh, to their capabilities. I think defensively, they've been very strong. In midfield, at times, they've been strong. Sometimes, they've got a little bit overrun. But going forward, I think, has been where they've kind of lacked uh, this season. I don't think they're playing as good football in that final third as they were last season. Uh, but look, they, they got the win, and that's the important thing. I did expect a little bit more from Wolves, but looking back on it, I suppose key players miss, you know, players like Neto, it's against this Arsenal side. It's always going to be difficult. And don't get it wrong. They put up a little bit of a fight. That you know, Arsenal looked a bit ropey for for a short while after conceding. Sort of the, the last five or ten minutes. You know, Wolves they did dig a little bit deeper, um, and the mistake from Zinchenko that gave them a a glimmer of hope. But it, it wasn't enough. Like I said, Arsenal they defended really, really well in those last ten minutes. And I think it's it's moments like that. It's periods in games like that where you kind of measure where you are in terms of the title because I think you know I, 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 I've got no 
I've got no issue with admitting this. I think Arsenal are soft. I think they're a soft team. I think years of underperforming. I think there's a little bit of softness instilled in Arsenal, if, if that kind of makes sense. If you go back 20 years ago, that they didn't have that softness. That, it, that just wasn't acceptable. But it's kind of come, I don't want to say the normal, but it's kind of become a regular pattern. Um, and I think Arsenal, with a couple of years ago, they probably concede and I don't think they win that game. But, you know, this is a, not a new Arsenal team, but I, I do think... Strangely, even though they're not playing as good football as they were last year, I do feel like this team is better now than it was last season, which is it's, it's contradictory, I know, but it's almost like uh, the reason I think they're better is because they're not playing as well, but they're still getting the results. And that's what you kind of have to measure because I can sit here and say to you that I don't think Saka's been as good as last year. I don't think Martinelli's been as good last year. I don't think the goals are going to come with you know, Ketia because of you know Jesus in and out of the team with injury. But the fact of the matter is they're still top of the league. And that's what you have to measure because guess what? The best teams that win the league, yes, to win the Premier League, you have to be the best team from August to May. It's not like the Champions League. You know, how many times have we seen a team win the Champions League and they've not been the best team in Europe? You know, Chelsea stick out to me. Both times we won the Champions League, we weren't the best team in in um, in Europe. No way. Even when Real Madrid won it a few years ago, some would say lucky, some would say destiny, but I don't think they were the best team in Europe. They were conceding, I think they conceded, was it three against PSG, four against City and three against us or something crazy like that. So, But when the Premier League is completely different, You ha if you're not the best team from August to May, you don't win the league. But there are times where you have to not ride your luck, but you kind of have to dig deep and maybe take what you don't deserve. And I think Arsenal have done that a lot this season. Again, I don't want to say too much riding your luck because they're there for a reason. They have played some good football. But those kind of last 10 minutes, basically from, from when it went 2-1 to the end of the game, that's where I think you win the league it, at times like that because it's not always you're not always going to go and batter teams 3-0. Now, sometimes you're going to go to Wolves and you're going to be head and shoulders above them and you're going to be 2-0 up. But then they score a goal and then your back's against the wall. And that's when you have to really dig deep. And that's exactly what... Um, what Mikel Arteta's side done um, on the weekend. And, you know, like I said, was a little bit ropey, but overall, comfortable win for Arsenal. And they'll be feeling great. They've got to play Luton midweek and you're banking on, you know, three or four goals for Arsenal. I don't see them them failing there. And having a look at their fixtures, I think definitely they're going to be going into the new year top of, uh, top of the league. And obviously with that result um, at Man City this weekend, again, that's just going to fill them with even more confidence. Because like I said, City, you know, Arsenal have beaten City already this season. They're looking susceptible and Arsenal are probably actually looking at Liverpool now, maybe the ones that can that can challenge them. Because City, they're, they're kind of faltering a little bit. But we're not talking about City, we're talking about Arsenal. And now we're going to move on to a, another London club in Brentford. They beat Struggling Luton 3-1 at the GTEC Stadium. And... They much like Arsenal against Wolves, they were head and shoulders above Luton this weekend. There was a glimmer of hope, hope for Luton uh, after they pulled one back through Jacob Brown, but all the hope that they had was shattered and taken away after only five minutes uh, when Brentford got their third. Luton, they've now got to play City and Arsenal back-to-back. -back. So <laughs> you'd be forgiven for thinking that the misery will continue for them. Um, but Brentford, this is the kind of football that I'm expecting to see from them. You know, I don't want to talk too much about Arvin Tony because I feel like I talk about him every single week and he's not even playing. But they're still scoring goals. For a, for a short time, the goals, they kind of dried up. And I think, I just think it's been kind of really difficult 
start to the Premier League for everyone, just purely because of all the international breaks, you know, and after the the World Cup um, last year, everyone's just played so much football and it, it's been crazy. But now that there's no international break till March. So I think, you know, we talk a lot about the teams in relegation, they need to get a rhythm. The teams at the top, they need to get rhythm as well. But for a club like Brentford, again, you know, no disrespect for them, they're, they're probably hoping for like a top eight finish. And they'll probably finish somewhere between 12th and probably 8th. But teams like that, they need the momentum as well. They need to put wins together because there was a period of time where they were looking. I don't think they played bad, but they were just playing well below their level, what we expect from them. And this week, it was a return to form, so to speak. Uh, But speaking of form, we have two teams that are struggling uh, for form with Burnley and Sheffield United. And Burnley... I didn't think I'd be saying this. They finally won a game at home in the Premier League. Yes, you're hearing that right. And they did it in some style. They absolutely smashed fellow strugglers Sheffield United 5-0. And it was clear early, early on that there would only be one winner in this game at Turf Moor. Burnley took the lead after just 15 seconds. I think I'm pretty sure it's the fastest goal uh, this season, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to double-check that. Uh, but Jay Rodriguez got the got the goal after 15 seconds, and they added a second just before the half-hour mark as well. And, look, I've seen Sheffield United play really bad this season. You know, you think back to that 8-0 against Newcastle, it, it was really poor. But I think this week is genuinely up there. The defending, it was dreadful from minute one, the first goal, literally 15 seconds, all the way to 90 minutes. It was just so poor, and... You can't be defending like that. When when you're a team like Sheffield United, there's, there's not goals in the Sheffield United team. There's just not. We've seen it. The midfield, you know, with respect, there's no class in the midfield. You need to have something. You know, you, you need to have... And they just don't have anything. And, again, this, this 5-0, this isn't against, you know, a team like Palace or Brentford where you can kind of ex- excuse it. This is against Burnley. They've lost 11 games this season drawn one and only won one before this fixture. But Sheffield United, they made them look like City or Liverpool. It was really, really poor from Sheffield United. And I expect, I I predicted a draw last week, but you'd be forgiven for thinking that maybe one team will just edge it. Maybe one team will want it a little bit more, but I did not expect a thrashing. I really didn't. And like I said, I think this is a new low for Sheffield United. But Burnley... Don't take anything away from them. They were good for their goals. They played really well, actually. Again, their best performance of the season by far. And they now play Wolves, Brighton, Everton and Fulham in their next four. So, I, th- I think there are some points in there. I could see them getting something against Fulham, surprisingly. I could see them potentially getting something against Everton. Brighton and Wolves, maybe not so much. But, you know, they'll definitely have some confidence from this game. And they'll have a bit of momentum to take into those matches. But Sheffield United, their next four games... It's just I just don't see anything. It's just more misery for them, and I know I say that I say this every week, but it's, I just don't see where they're getting goals from, let alone points. They've got Liverpool, Brentford, Chelsea, and Villa, and like I said, I can only see heavy defeats in those games, and I can only see more misery um, on the horizon for Sheffield United, and it will be an absolute miracle. Uh, if they do stay up. And I think er- nearly every single time I watch them, I hear the fans chanting, you're only here for the year. And sticking with the theme of the teams down at the bottom of the Premier League, Everton got themselves a huge three points against very average Nottingham Forest this weekend at the City Ground. In a game that could have gone either way, uh, in my opinion. Forest will count themselves unlucky. They'll feel a bit aggrieved. They were denied a penalty. I thought it was a st- not stonewall, but I thought it was a penalty. You've definitely seen them given... 
If you look at the replay, Decore, he clearly uh, pulls Yates' shirt. And for me, there's enough force there. There's enough contact from him to, to go down. But aside from that, it was quite an even game for me. I think Everton, they, they did slightly edge it. Um, it was a great work, a bit of work from Harrison uh, to get the goal. But like I said, massive, massive three points uh, for Everton. They've got Newcastle, Chelsea, Burnley and Spurs next and um, City as well. And that's the next five games. So hopefully for them, they can, they can use this momentum as a as a platform for, for these games. And, you know, like I don't want to take anything away from it. It was a very even game. They did get a little bit lucky with um, with the penalty decision, but... I think they just just about edged it, and every time I seem to watch Nottingham Forest, they they, they look okay, but they just they don't do enough for me. You know, I look at them, and very very few times do I come away from a Nottingham Forest game thinking, oh yeah, they they played well there. I feel like a lot of the time, you know, obviously I can't speak for the players, obviously, but I feel like a lot of the time they'll end the game and thinking, you know, question it, did we leave it all? on the pitch but their fixtures they're a lot more kind uh, on paper they've got Wolves and Fulham next you do expect them to to pick up some points there uh, but speaking of Fulham they had a oh god I don't even know what to call it a cracking a crazy a wild it was a crazy match at Anfield this week I've spoken all season about their inability to, to take their chances um, and they scored three goals at Anfield but you do have to look a little bit closer at that I feel like for me, they were gifted two of them this week. Um, if it's really sh- the goals in particular, and the way Liverpool defended it shows how important Allison is to to this Liverpool team. The first goal, keeper should be dealing with that much better. I, I, I don't know what he was doing. I think he was trying to do an impression of Onana there. It was really, really poor. And then the, I think it was the third goal, or is it the, no, yes, sorry, the third goal. Um, I think it was Timikas um, at the back post, it's just the marking was terrible. You know, when you're a fullback and the ball's coming in from the opposite side, you you have to be aware. You have to have that defensive awareness. And he had no idea that the player was coming behind him. Van Dijk as well. He didn't read the danger. It, it was really poor defending uh, from Liverpool. But you have to give him credit. It was tremendous character to to fight back and not only equalise but to win the game completely. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was a brilliant, brilliant bit of character, resilience, and great scenes as well at Anfield this week. It really was. And this is what the Premier League's all about. Fulham, they'll definitely feel disappointed. You know, don't get me wrong. If if, if you were to say to Fulham, you'll be 3-2 up in the 88th minute or 87th, whatever minute, they'll bite your hand off. But to, to capitulate like that, I, I don't actually think it was Fulham capitulating. I think it was just Liverpool just really putting it up a gear. I did think that they deserved it. Uh, the three points Liverpool, but like I said, to be leading in the in the 87th minute to concede two goals in a space of what is it like a minute and a half? It is so tough to take uh, for Fulham. But we all know what 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 this Jurgen Klopp team is about. We know they're resilient. We know they don't give up. They're just, just so hard to play against, and you know, especially against Anfield with the crowd behind them. And you know, Fulham, like I said, they'll feel really, really, really hard done. Not hard done by, but disappointed, I think, is the is the feeling. You know, to sc- if you'd have said you'll score three goals at Anfield and not take anything from the game, you'd sit there and think, well, what what else can I do? What else are we supposed to do here? And Liverpool, you know, they had a bit of a, not a slow start to the season, but I think they had a little bit of an average start to the season. But week after week, they just looked stronger and stronger and stronger. And, 
it's all set up really nicely for their match uh, against Arsenal in the next couple of weeks. I think it's is it in January they play, or it might be the end of December. I need to double check that. Um, but yeah, you know, the next two, Sheffield United and Palace, you'd expect them to to keep up with Arsenal going into that fixture. And a fixture that actually, I want to say it made me happy, but I'm not, I couldn't get too excited about it, if I'm being honest. The game at Stamford Bridge. Um, I suppose I can be happy. No, I'm going to be happy about it. Look, we won at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, it's good that we, even if I can only be happy until midweek when we play Man United, I, I can be happy for a little bit. I thought we were a bit fortunate to be 1-0 up um, against Brighton. It was a really messy goal to, to concede from a Brighton point. If you're defending, has got to be got to be better, in, in my opinion. But in, in general, I thought it was a, a messy win. I thought at 2-0, you know, we were in control. But Conor Gallagher completely turned the game on his head. You know, went a man down and a goal down. Um, it, it, it was it was disappointing because you know I've praised Conor Gallagher a lot this season, and I, th- I think he's done a lot right. If you'd have spoke to me at the start of the season, I would have said otherwise. And look, Ch- Chelsea Football Club. That's you know people that know me they know that Ch- Chelsea's my life. You know, I live and breathe Chelsea. Um, but despite living and breathing it and my football club being my life, I, I do get things wrong, much like the rest of us. And as I've said many times on this podcast, if you'd asked me at the start of the season what to do with Conor Gallagher, I would have told you, get him gone. Sell him for 20 million, 30 million, however much money you can get for him, you bid him off to whoever wants him. But like I said, he's proved me and a lot of people wrong this season. And, you know, regardless of the question marks over his ability at the start of the season, there's one thing, this is me talking, I can't talk for every Chelsea fan, this is me talking for me. I, you, you could never question his, his aggression, his work ethic, and his hunger whenever he puts on the shirt, regardless of his ability. But this weekend, you know, he, and he uses that week in, week out, and that's one of his strengths. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's captain. And it's one of the reasons why he's so liked, uh, in my opinion. But... This weekend, he used it all, all in the wrong way. And it's really disappointing just because of, you know, obviously, Reese got sent off against Newcastle, our captain, and then the vice-captain does the does the same thing. And, you know, for us, we were in control of the game. And on another day, that could have cost us cost us the game. But for us, it, it didn't, which we're lucky. We're, 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 I, feel, I feel lucky. I feel like it was a lucky win. I don't think we played particularly well, but we did get the three points. And, you know... It's crazy because normally I'd be so much more upbeat about a Chelsea win, and you know I don't want to be negative because, like I said, we got the three points. But you know Brighton they played on Thursday while we had a full week's rest after Newcastle, and if you actually look at the team that started, six of Brighton's uh, starting eleven um, that played against us also played midweek. So yeah, it's a good win. Uh, it's a game that we needed to win, especially before a big game against Man United, but. I don't want to sit here saying, oh, this changed everything. Look at us now. Look at this and that. Because I, I don't think it changes much, to be honest. And I don't want to say too much more about it because I do want to do a deep dive into Chelsea in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, um, I won't be on my own for that one. I'll have another fellow Chelsea fan to bask in the in the pain with me. But for now, I'm going to enjoy the three points um, until, until Man United. And it, it's weird being a Chelsea fan. We've had our captain sent off. We have a vice-captain sent off. We can't score against Forest. 
We can't score against Brentford. We can't score against Bournemouth. We can score four against Spurs and four against City. And our start and starting striker is FaceTiming OnlyFans girls. What, what a club. And I wouldn't have it any other way. There's no other club I'd rather be at. Staying in London, but this time over in East London with West Ham versus Crystal Palace. I'm going to be honest, guys. I didn't catch all of this game. I didn't actually catch all of the Villa game either. I managed to see parts of it and I've rewatched the highlights and whatnot as well. Um I thought both games a little I don't want to say boring, but no, we're gonna start with West Ham. Kudos, very, very good signing. I think there were question marks of him. No one had really not heard of him, but you know, we kind of saw Anthony and Onana in the in the, in the Prem and it's not really worked out for them so you're thinking well another player from the Dutch League but he's only added to to West Ham's brilliant midfield you know Kudos, Suchek, Paqueta, James Ward-Prowse and Alvarez as well and Bowen he wasn't part of the midfield so he played up top uh, but you know got to put him in, the, in there um, but they, de- they definitely missed the physicality without Antonio he's, he's so vital to to the way they play I thought for the equaliser uh, Edouard for Crystal Palace he showed a hell of a lot of composure to to level Palace, but I was kind of as I was watching it, the 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 goal, I was screaming for someone to just you know do something because no one closed him down. He had a lot of time, a lot of space to to pick his spot. But it, I, I think for me, the defenders got to be better there for for West Ham and Emerson missed a bit of a sitter as well. Absolutely ballooned it into Rosie from about seven yards out. And like I said, look, it wasn't a boring game. I don't want to you know disrespect either side, but. It wasn't. It it was. It was quite a quiet game. To to be fair, and the same with the Villa Bournemouth game. As I said, I didn't manage to catch all of it. I watched it in parts, and I've rewatched the highlights since. But Bournemouth, you know, they've been struggling this season, but they nearly pulled off a shock victory um, against Villa. But Ollie Watkins rescued a point for them, and what what a player he's been this season. It was a great header as well, by the way. Nice little flick backward header, phenomenal. Um, and I think with, with Villa, I, I I don't think they've played bad. But I think it was the case of the the fixture list. Ollie Watkins, he was a doubt for for, for this match, um, and I, I, I'm not saying he didn't look fit, but you know, in general, I don't think Villa were were, were at their best. I think much like Brighton, the the midweek European ventures are are starting to affect them. But I don't want to take anything away from Bournemouth. They you know they, they had enough chances to win it for me. They created enough. But they they just weren't as, they weren't clinical, um, and I think with Bournemouth it's kind of a weird one because I, I think any other season I think they'd genuinely be in trouble, and I actually think quite a lot of teams you know I think of Bournemouth, Everton, Forest, and you could even maybe um, put Fulham in that category as well. I think there's a lot of teams there that I've just listed that any other season they'd have to worry about relegation, but. I don't think they have to this year purely because I just see three sides in Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United who are just so, so much worse than them, if that makes sense. Um, But going back onto Villa, they've got some really, really, really tough games coming up with City, Arsenal and Brentford as well. And, you know, like I said, the European fixtures is tough and especially... Especially during this time, you know, we all know we've played the weekend. We've now got games Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then back again in the weekend. And obviously some teams um, last week had midweek football as well. So you think of a team like Brighton. They played midweek. They then played on the weekend. They're then going to play midweek again and then play again 
in the weekend is 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 crazy, and that we're going to see a lot of chopping and changing teams. So God knows what's going to happen um, for uh, for FPL this uh, this next coming weeks. And just before I get into the predictions, I just want to say a massive thank you to Tommy One Hundred One M U P E T three R. That I'm assuming your name is Peter. So shout out M U Peter. Shout out to Simon Four Seven Underscore LFC. And a shout out to my fellow Chelsea Struggler CFC underscore Cyanide. Thank you, boys, for the support. Means so much to me. That, like I said, I say this every week, guys. I don't want to say it too much and get all, all soppy because there's football to talk about. It's a busy, festive period. But the podcast, it doesn't work without you lot, okay? The responses that I'm getting, the feedback, it's, honestly, it, it genuinely makes my week. So thank you, guys, so much for the support. All the people I've just mentioned, go and show them some love on Twitter or X, whatever we call it. I, I still don't know. I need a definitive answer of what we're calling this now. We need to come together as a community and decide what we're calling it because it's, it's ridiculous. But yeah, thank you very much for the support, guys. So, guys, that concludes the Game Week 14 match recap and what a weekend of football it was that's my thoughts on it that's my opinion on it i'd love to get you guys thoughts as well feel free to drop a little comment under the uh under the q a part of the pod or feel free to chat to me on twitter that's uh, the handle for that is at dyf pod but without further ado let's get into the match week 15 prediction starting off on tuesday so tomorrow 5th of december we've got wolves versus burnley at molyneux at 7 30 and now despite burnley Scoring five, it was against Sheffield United. I see Wolves winning here. I think it's, I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to, I'm going to go two one Wolves. Uh, and then on that same day, at quarter past eight, we've got Luton versus Arsenal at Kenilworth Road. And if I said the lot of the first fixture is going to be close, I, t- I tell you this for free, guys. This this game is not going to be close. I see Arsenal winning. I, I genuinely think they could put four or five past Luton. I really, really do. I don't see Luton scoring. Uh, I'm going to go four nil. Arsenal. Uh, that's it for the Tuesday fixtures. Got a hell of a lot of fixtures on Wednesday the sixth. Uh, so starting off at Brighton, uh, they kick off at seven thirty. These are seven thirty kickoffs. Now the next four, uh, Brighton play Brentford at home at seven thirty. And you know what? I think Brentford will. I think I can get a result here. I'm going to go one 0 Brentford. I'm, I'm I'm trusting them. I'm trusting them. I think they'll do it. And then we've got over to South London, the Crystal Palace versus Bournemouth. Also a seven thirty to kick off. And it's really tough, this one, because Bournemouth, you know, they're struggling, but they, they have showed good performances. And Palace, again, there's been so many times I've uh, I've looked at a fixture or I'm getting ready to watch a Palace game and on paper it looks like they should win and, you know, the, the, the start in the 11's good. And, but they just, don't, they just, I don't know, they're not fail, but they just, they just look very lacklustre sometimes. They look, they look very, for a team that have actually got a lot of individual talent. They look really average sometimes. Um, I'm going to go 1-1. I think it's going to be a draw this one. I don't really see a lot between them, which is crazy to say. Um, and then another game also, what I think is going to be a draw, another 7.30 kickoff, Fulham versus Forest. I think Fulham, they'll, like I said, they'll be disappointed not to come away with anything from Anfield, but they'll have the confidence, uh, obviously scoring three goals at Anfield. But again, I think it's Allison's in that. I, I just don't think if Allison's in net that, that those goals go in. So I think it's kind of a a Fugazi, a Fugazi scoreline, if, if that makes sense. And Forest, they've just looked so so average, haven't they, this season? I I wouldn't be surprised if it's nil nil. And actually, no one this this week actually kept a clean sheet, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that this one, I think both teams will keep a clean sheet. I don't see anyone scoring. 
And then speaking of Liverpool, they play at Sheffield United also at 7.30 on Wednesday. Uh, they're away from home on Wednesday. And much like the, the Arsenal game, I really think this is going to be one-sided. I'm talking, I think they could concede five or six here, really. I mean, I, I think it'll actually be a competition. I'm not sure who will score more goals uh, this week, Arsenal or Liverpool. Maybe we'll have to get a, a little poll going. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go 5-0 Liverpool for this one. I, I fear for Sheffield United's goal difference after this weekend. And then on to maybe the, I don't want to be biased, but maybe the two most exciting matchups um, this week. Also on Wednesday, both of them quarter past eight kickoffs. We've got Aston Villa versus City. Uh, that's at Villa Park. And I think Villa, if you'd have asked me before this game week, I said they'd have a real, real, real chance. But then they were a bit lacklustre uh, this week, I feel like. But then City as well, if you'd have asked me Last week, I would have said, "Yeah, I think they'll they'll kind of not have it all their own way, but they'll they'll come out on top." But after seeing their defense, I'm really not sure how this game's going to go. We know how good Villa are going forward, and City, like I said, defensively, they leak goals. Uh, do you know what? And I, I don't know why. I just think Villa will do it. I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go three one Aston Villa. That might be that might come back to bite me in the arse, and I really might be a. Uh, Look like an idiot at, at full time, but I'm going to go three one, three one Aston Villa, and then onto my team at Old Trafford again. Quarter past eight kick off on Wednesday. Man United versus Chelsea. Now I think I've I've spoke to a few United fans. Actually work with one of them, and kind of the feeling is we're in very different situations both clubs. But in terms like off the pitch, it's very different. But in terms of on the pitch, it's and the results in terms of results. Sorry, it's it's kind of very similar. Both of us, you know, we've we've shown glimpses of what we can do, but then we've also showed glimpses of what we do do, and unfortunately, what we do do and what we can do for both of us is not is not the same thing. You know, the capabilities of both squads, the talent in both squad, it doesn't reflect reflect where they are in the league. But I think we we'll have a lot of momentum from the Brighton game. I think even though I don't think it's necessarily a a really positive result, and I don't think we play particularly well. That won't matter to the boys. They'll, they'll. It's a, a win's a win, and I'm gonna be confident. And I'm gonna go two nil, Chelsea. I think it will be tough, obviously, going to Old Trafford, but I'm, I'm gonna go two nil, Chelsea. I think it will be a very even game, though. And then on to Thursday's matches. Only got two. We've got Everton versus Newcastle at seven thirty, and that's a very, very tough fixture for for Everton. Newcastle played really well against Man United. I'm gonna have to look at their their injury list and see when some of the key players are back but sorry Everton fans regardless injuries or no injuries I don't know if I see you getting anything I think Newcastle will win 2-0 I'm going to go 2-0 for this one and then over to London North London we're in London aren't we uh, Spurs versus West Ham and again I think Spurs will feel good after after the draw against City I, I don't really think many people had them getting anything from that game really and West Ham you know Antonio was out they looked a little bit. They looked very average from what I saw from West Ham. I think Spurs will win this one, two-one. Uh, I don't think they'll have it all their own way, but I, I, I don't see anything other than than a Spurs win if we're being completely honest. Well, guys, that concludes this week's episode of the Do Follow Football Podcast. But at the same time, it doesn't because we're going to have another episode this week after this crazy weekend of football. We've only just caught our breath back after game week 14 and game week 15 is nearly upon us already. We'll have an episode on Friday evening to cover the midweek games that run from Tuesday all the way to Thursday. And then we'll have another episode on Monday to cover the weekend's fixtures as um, 
as normal. So yeah, it's going to be a crazy, crazy week. But remember, if you are struggling to keep up, turn that notification bell on so you know every single time we post um, uh, a new episode. And also keep up to date. Follow us on Twitter. That's where we're most active. Or X. I still don't know what to call it. We're calling it Twitter. It's whatever. The Twitter handle is at DYFFPod. That's at DYFFPod. Tweet the links on there. I'll let you guys know a day or so in advance when I'm going to be posted. Put it this way. As soon as I know when the episode is going up, the Twitter followers know ASAP Rocky. So yeah, remember, follow us on there. And don't forget to follow us on the Spotify. The support is greatly appreciated. Rate us five stars. The support massively, massively helps. I hope everyone has a good week. I'm looking forward to chatting to you guys on Friday. But that's all from me today. I hope you heard me. I'll catch you next week.